Welcome to this podcast that is all about funding. From grants to crowdfunding, I will be answering questions and providing tips and advice on how to best move forward in securing grants and funding for your nonprofit, research, or business. My name is Holly Rustic, and I'm creator of WeGo Consulting and Amazon best-selling author for wish-granted tips, tools, and templates to write a winning grant. Want to get more grant writing and funding resources, books, and online courses? Visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com or wegogrants.com. Check out our free templates. Or if you have any grant writing or funding questions, you can always send me an email at hollywego at gmail.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-W-E-G-O at gmail.com. I'm excited to hear from you and to try my best to answer any questions so that you can increase your funding and impact your community and the world at large. So let's get started because money can be groovy. Yes, today is a really, really good one because we are going to be talking about the GDPR, um, the new European regulations that have gone into effect for data collection. So this is really important. We're going to be focusing on how it impacts nonprofits and also grant writing consultants. So you can really see, hey guys, um, like, you know, do I need to change something or should I even be concerned about this? And the answer is, yeah, you really should be um, concerned about this because it really does impact everybody. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get started. I know we're a little bit off topic from how to find grants, and we will definitely continue back in that realm um, very soon in this whole series we're doing on the podcast. But with the time sensitivity sensitivity of the new regulation, general data protection regulation, which you have probably heard of coin GDPR, right? And I wanted to give some resources for nonprofits and grant writing consultants. So a full disclaimer, I'm going to say it right now, I am not a lawyer, all right? And this podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to act as legal advice. Please consult with legal counsel to determine how GDPR may impact your organization. However, um, if you are interested and, you know, I get a lot of feedback from this episode, then I do have a lawyer friend who works, you know, she really focuses on contracts and she works a lot with nonprofits and she said, yes, yeah, she'd be more than willing to come on. So very cool. So let me know, hollywego at gmail.com. Let me know if you'd like to see Miss uh, Vanessa Williams. And she is a great lawyer. I love her stuff. So, all right, with that being said, I personally have done a lot of research. Um, I've listened to a lot of lawyers. I've read articles. I've talked to other online businesses just to really try to figure out what GDPR and how it affects um, me. You know, I have my own grant writing consultancy company. And um, I also write books. I have a pen name <laughs> and I offer books and I have a lot of European customers that actually like to download those books. And I also get a lot of people from Europe listening to this podcast and these episodes, which is fantastic and I love it. So I know that, um, and, and furthermore, I just know that regulation policies um, at this point in the game in any major area where they're gonna have like legislation passed, that it is going to become global at some point, especially when you're looking at the EU. What I have learned about GDPR is that it is an evolution. All right. It's kind of an ever-changing thing right now because right now we are past the May 25th implementation date, but there have been no cases so far. So it's hard to know what the interpretation of the law will actually be. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about what the GDPR is, 
why it doesn't just affect the EU, what the impact is on the nonprofits and grant writing consultants, and give you some free downloadable templates. Yay! So I have some uh, sample privacy policies, cookie policy, um, and then just like a checklist of like, here you go, you know, some checklists and some links. So that's fantastic. You can definitely find that on my website right here. If you go to podcast, I will have it up here later today under podcast and blog episode, and you can click to get that. Of course, I don't know. I might have it as an email sign up. And if you have it as an email sign up, then you, can, you will be involved with all my other free stuff too. Just as a little disclaimer there. There's a little GDPR disclaimer for you. Um, and you can unsubscribe at any time. So boom. <laughs> so what is GDPR? Well, none. now some of you may be scratching your heads, right, when I mention GDPR. Although if you are in the EU, then you probably have been running around like it's Y2K. Like it's it's crazy panic. Remember that <laughs> back at the turn of the century, like, ah, it was pretty nuts. And what I've heard so far is that it's similar to that kind of feel right now over there. Um, in the States, not so much. It's been like crickets in some areas. But chances are you have seen an increase in emails in your inbox over the last week or so um, from companies or people asking you to check a box, giving them permission to email you or to keep emailing you, which is actually now people are looking at that going, that's actually not in compliance with GDPR because you shouldn't be emailing people asking for permission to email them. That's kind of like saying you never had their permission. Anyways, that's a side note. So you've seen a lot of those, I'm sure, or you've just seen people that say, hey, do you want to keep you know, getting my email? Some people are taking this as a time to really clean up their email inboxes, which is actually pretty good. And just to be like, you know, you haven't been clicking, just make sure do you still want to receive emails from me. And a lot of this is due to the new European regulations or GDPR. So what is it? Firstly, the GDPR regulation was not a knee-jerk reaction and did not happen overnight. Well, okay, it was implemented overnight, but this wasn't due to the pushback on all the Facebook controversy of late. The GDPR privacy re regulation has had a two-year transition period as it was approved and adopted by the EU Parliament in April 2016, all right, two years ago. So furthermore, the data protection privacy law has been in effect since 1980 when the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development published its guidelines on the protection of privacy and transborder flows of personal data. So this has been around for quite a while, just the conception of it, you know, just figuring out, okay, guys, now that we're actually sharing information out there, there's computers, although less than 1% of people were actually on computers at that point in time, probably, um, you know, they, they wanted to put something in place. And now that nearly almost everybody's online in developed countries, and even in developing countries, you know, it's, it's uh, something that needs to be looked at or relooked at. And that's pretty much what happened. So as we know, the technology landscape is very different from the 1980s. The influx of social media platforms, the exponential number of people online, as well as just the prevalent uh, hosting, website hosting things like MailChimp and Aweber, giving people access to actually collect personal information, it's rampant. All right, so it's way easier to for people to collect, store, and disseminate personal information. I remember just like a few years ago when buying likes on Facebook was a thing. So it was actually part of a transparent marketing strategy. People would include buys for like 5,000 likes on Facebook or whatnot in their branding packages. Like if you went to companies to say, okay, are you gonna do some marketing or branding for me? And that would actually be like one line item under their scope of work to say, yeah, we're gonna buy 5,000 likes for you for your Facebook page. 
And thank God, like, in the last few years, we have actually transitioned away from the number game and we've gotten more into quality engagement, organic reach, and true followers. But there are many organizations out there that still operate on the quantity system and collect and sell that information without the user's permission. So the GDPR is now actively providing a legal strong arm against data privacy misuse and has the mission to, quote, protect and empower all EU citizen data privacy and to reshape the way organizations across the region approach data privacy. So why, end quote, so why would GDPR affect you as a nonprofit or as a grant writer? Why would that actually affect you, especially if you're in the States, right? So yes, the GDPR is an EU regulation and applies to organizations located within the EU, the European Union. However, it also applies to organizations located outside of the EU if they offer goods or services to or monitor the behavior of people within the EU. It also applies to all organizations processing or holding the personal data or people that reside in or are traveling within the EU regardless of the location of the organization. So if you're in the States and you're collecting information, like I said, you know, yeah, I've got some people who are downloading my books from the EU or they might be purchasing my course um, that, and they reside in the EU, then I'm not intentionally marketing possibly to them, although I might be. It, that kind of changes the conversation a little bit. But basically, I have to adhere to the laws, or I should. Um, at some point in time, that might become a, you know, we'll see how this actual, the outcome of it, if you will. Um, because right now, like I said, there's just a lot of different interpretations. And until cases really go forward, and we see any kind of fines really coming out of this, then we'll have a better understanding of what the black and white areas are. It won't be so gray in some areas. Note that goods do not have to be items you sell, but can be marketed items like newsletters, right? So let me reiterate that I am not a lawyer, all right? But how I interpreted the GDPR regulation and how others that are knee deep in researching this regulation have interpreted it is that it isn't meant to reduce access to services for EU citizens, but to reduce the rate of breaking data privacy. Who wants spam that they didn't sign up for? Nearly all of us have been sent emails or gotten phone calls when we didn't give out our contact information to those organizations or individuals, and that feels very invasive. So this is annoying. It does not even get into the deeper uh, invasive issues or ethical issues. So the EU is like really prompting that to say, hey guys, we're not, don't sell information. Don't sell personal information. I kind of freaked out <laughs> as I do have people from the EU who I said, who purchased my grant writing courses, my books, joined my membership. And I certainly do not want to take them off my membership or not to have resources available to them just because they live in the EU. Um, I know that as a nonprofit or a consultant, you would want not want this either. Or if you are in, in the EU and reside there, you may not want to be removed from lists that you signed up for or feel marginalized from services. And that is not the feel of this law. It is not the intent. But some people are kind of moving in that direction because they're freaking out. But at the same time, as I'm sure you do, I want to reduce any risk of violating the regulation or getting fined. And I'll talk about getting fined in just a minute. But Holly, I live in the States. Why should I pay attention to this? Well, in the world of Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn, etc., chances are that you have followers from different places in the world. Um, if you have a website, which all of you should, 
then people from outside of the states may be looking at your website, all right? You want your nonprofit or grant writing consultancy to be known, right? You want it out there. Maybe your nonprofit offers scholarships or foreign exchange programs with European slash US students. Maybe they serve orphanages in Hungary or simply have a lot of followers from all over the world. Maybe your consultancy serves nonprofits overseas or sells products online. So these are definitely things to consider. Maybe you just have people on your list that travel to the EU and receive an email while traveling. I mean, that's also kind of a gray area right now. And what's that about? Some people are saying, yeah, that's an absolute. Some people are, I haven't really heard a lot about that, but that is up in the air right now as far as um, what that means if you have people that are in the US, but they're traveling in Europe and they receive your email while they're there. So all organizations that have collected personal data of EU citizens, whether they are employees, donors, volunteers, or beneficiaries, are affected and will be responsible for GDPR compliance. The peer IT nature of this regulation makes it a global concept at the very least. Uh, Rashmi Knowles, Chief Technology Officer at RSA Security, states that GDPR is interesting because it is the first time that the EU is exporting regulation. In the past, everything created by the EU applied to the EU. Now we have this regulation, but it is going to apply globally. If anyone wants to use the data of EU citizens or consumers, they have to comply. So it is exporting privacy rules to other countries." End quote. Knowles goes on to say that, quote, because GDPR is having so much prominence in what organizations around the world are doing to meet data protection requirements, it is becoming the de facto global legal framework. So there you go. It is becoming de facto. And that's what I feel and what I see with this whole thing, too, is a lot of people, like I said, they're kind of in the dark about it. But it really is going to become... I think the next kind of step up for a global policy. Here we go, this is definitely happening. <laughs> it is happening. Some countries are already stepping into compliance. According to Robert Bond, Data Protection Network Chairman and partner at legal firm Bristow's, quote, Japan has been following developments closely and is looking to make its data laws compatible with European legislation, end quote. He continued to state that Singapore regulators are following GDPR closely to ensure that they have an advantage in the new era of data collection. So people actually want to leg up, so they're actually following this. He, he goes on to say, when you look at GDPR, it says that you can't transfer data to another part of the world that isn't deemed to have adequate protections for the rights of individuals or a decent law, Bond stated, uh, end quote there. Another forward-thinking country is South Africa. So I was doing some research, like, who's all complying? I saw these, these different countries that are stepping out and saying uh, they developed a new data privacy law modeled on the European legislation. So everyone's modeling on, on the GDPR because they still want access. So and instead of jumping through all these hoops and going around quarters and, you know, and trying to make your you might as well just well, you might as well make your data, your data privacy law regulations being compliance with GDPR. It just makes it easier. OK, so that being said, other countries are waiting to see how GDPR plays out so they know how to move forward in their own data protection privacy regulations. Like I said, everything's not black and white right now. So some countries are kind of holding out saying, we're going to wait and see how this kind of plays out. And then we'll be able to implement something based on what the black and white areas look, look like. <laughs> so um, as I stated above, this really is an evolution process of the interpretation of GDPR right now. And it will become more clear once course cases are tested. 
So what are the penalties for non-compliance? So now we get to like, okay, what happens if you don't, he's telling me I got to do this, Holly, or I should at least look into it. Although I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not giving you any advice. I'm just, this is my interpretation. But you're saying, okay, um, maybe I'll start looking into that. But what happens if I am serving people, I'm directly marketing or serving people in the EU and I'm not complying to GDPR? Well, according to the GDPR regulation, there are hefty fines for non-compliance of GDPR. And this is directly from the GDPR website. You can uh, go to my website after this and you're going to click on podcast number 030. So, and I will give you all the links for all of this. But uh, organizations can be fined up to 4% of annual global turnover for breaching GDPR or 20 million euros. All right. <laughs> They're going after large organizations. I mean, many of us, some people are like, eh, everyone's too small, they don't really have to do it. But I'm saying best practices are always good, especially on something that's this big and you might as well kind of get up to par, right? So that is the maximum fine that can be imposed for the most serious infringements, um, e.g. not having sufficient customer consent to process data or violating the core of privacy by design concepts. It is important to note that these rules apply to both controllers and processors, meaning clouds will not be exempt from GDPR enforcement. So if you're storing all of your stuff on MailChimp or online on the cloud, you're not exempt from this, all right? So that brings me to this. You are probably a data controller or processor. A data controller does not necessarily mean an academic who runs sophisticated data collection software. It can simply mean a person who keeps email addresses. That's how simple this is um, because you are keeping privacy uh, information. So the actual definitions of a data controller and data processor as, are as followed. Uh, quote, the data controller is the entity that determines the purposes, conditions, and means of the processing of personal data, uh, while the processor is an entity which processes personal data on behalf of the controller, end quote. So if you're kind of a solar entrepreneur, you're running um, a nonprofit, and you might be doing everything as far as you're doing your email blast out for your crowdfunders, and you're keeping those email addresses, et cetera, et cetera, then you're essentially controlling and processing the information. But you might have a couple of people doing both things. But anyways, even if you're small, you are still, it's not like you're exempt from this if you're keeping any privacy information or personal information. So what this definition actually translates to is the person who collects and keeps information. For example, if your nonprofit has a call to action on your website, app or phone for donors to give to your nonprofit, and then you collect email addresses, phone numbers, names, and so forth, you are a data collector, just like I said. Maybe you run a fundraiser or crowdfunder where you collect email addresses and then send out reminder emails or keep them on your mailing list for future emails and then pitch for other fundraising events and that sort of thing in the future or to be involved in other things that you're doing. If you are a freelance grant writer or run a grant writing company and you collect emails, names, or phone numbers via your website, social media, or even in person, guys, then you collect personal data. Many of you use platforms such as MailChimp or Aweber, like I was talking about, if you're collecting that and putting it on the cloud, um, and you insert your email addresses into this online software or they link in automatically. These are actually great sources to use as they keep the in personal information in clear areas easily allow subscribers to unsubscribe and store your data in user-friendly systems. So you should you really stop collecting data? Should you freak out, oh my gosh, 20 million miles <laughs> or 20 million euros? Um, <laughs> but no, don't 
keep keep collecting data, you guys, but make sure you do it in compliance with the GDPR. You should. I mean, we should really be looking at this. So how do you actually become compliant with the GDPR? As stated a few times already, this may change as the regulations are played out over time, but for now, it's the easiest to keep the following in mind. Be very clear and transparent with subscribers on what they will receive when joining your email list. Never give subscribers emails or personal information to anyone else. Your list should only receive emails from you. Make sure your privacy policy is easy to use. And like I said, I have a template for you guys at grantwritingandfunding.com. And subscribers should be able to unsubscribe easily and this should be clearly seen and readily accessible. And do not include pre-ticked boxes of subscribing because you then you're almost making people have to unsubscribe rather than to have the free choice of subscribing. See, it's a little bit different. So some old tactics that some people may have used in the past are really being re-looked at. Um, but basically, it's just being transparent. Um, if someone's going to sign up for your email, then you're just telling them, hey, I'm also like, you know, I'm going to email you once a week, blah, blah, blah. You're going to get some other information, some bonus stuff, etc. right? And you can unsubscribe at any time. And here's a link to my privacy policy. It has become very fashionable to have lead generators to attract subscribers to your email list. And this could be in the form of free download, a quiz, etc. You can absolutely still do this, but if you only include the language of, quote, download this free PDF, so the 10 ways to keep your cat healthy, <laughs> so um, then all you email is that specific free PDF and things about how to keep your cat healthy, that form. You cannot include follow-up marketing for other products, future launches, etc., because they did not give you, no one gave you permission for that. They only signed up for that one item. What I'm hearing is the recommendation is not to include that language anymore, even though that was very specific in getting people to sign up for your email um, list, but it's kind of gone back to the old newsletter style. In this way though, you don't wanna, if you just give away your free top 10 you know, tips on how to keep your cat healthy, with no following follow-up marketing, it really kind of takes the point away of giving that out if some of if like your aim is to build your mailing list. For example, we just we go uh, just released a new free downloadable resource, the funding toolkit, ten tops tips. So you can see right there, top ten, ten tips to position your nonprofit for funding, and it's fantastic. If you haven't signed up for my free membership, go ahead and do that. But see, even how I'm talking right now, I'm not saying sign up for my um, top ten tips. I'm not saying that, but you can see how it looks on the screen here if you're looking at the screen on YouTube. I only had before uh, subscribe now to or join to get the funding toolkit, right? I've changed the language because that was done pre-GDPR implementation date. Now I've changed the language and the look of the lead generator to be included as a bonus gift within the grant writing and funding free membership. And I'll just take you guys to this landing page right now. So you can definitely check it out and you can see I have changed it to be a free grant writing and funding membership. So please take advantage of that when you come to my website. And here I've listed my goal is to provide valuable and pertinent content without overwhelming your inbox. About once a week, I send out my grant and funding updates to valued members. You can unsubscribe at any time. When you subscribe to the free grant and funding membership, you also get the funding toolkit. See, it is there still. 
but you get down, uh, you also get downloadable templates, a 15% discount on my online grant writing course, weekly podcast episode, blog updates, current grant opportunities, grant and funding tips, and you know, blah, blah, blah. So you have all this other information there. <clears throat> and for those of you receiving my emails now, I am going to reestablish the look. So when it comes out on a weekly basis, you're going to have some of this other content in there. So it's going to look more like a newsletter, which I'm really excited about doing, actually, because um, in that way, I can also include, hey, you know, here's some the current grant opportunities that are open. Here's the podcast. Here's anything else that's going on, you know, this week. So you can kind of see everything at, at one glance, which I think will actually be more valuable for you and it's not overwhelming your inbox so it's actually pretty cool so i've changed the look like i was saying i also have a link here for my privacy policy and an unsubscribe button so the unsubscribe link is on the bottom of all my emails as well so in this way i am compliant with gdpr see it's not that big of a deal right it just you have to kind of look and change the concept a little bit so it really is pretty simple but on the back end i do need to make sure that i'm compliant with my data controlling regulations I use MailChimp and BookFunnel, which are large platforms where they do a lot of like this compliance work for me, although I still need to make sure I'm in compliance as well. Um, but they do have a lot of great templates and, you know, that sort of thing. So that's great. But if any person from the EU asked me where their email was kept and what I was doing with it, I could easily find it on these platforms, send them a snapshot, like, you know, like here's a picture, uh, where here's your data was hosted, what list they joined, what date they joined, etc. So that's what's great about these kind of platforms too. Another thing to consider if you have a mailing list is that you provide double opt-in. All right, in the second opt-in form that is emailed to the subscriber before they actually become a subscriber, but as when they click that, they will be you can list what they will be get when they what they will be getting when they confirm their email address and it's just something like how i had just listed on what things are included and also be sure to improve to include your privacy policy link and an unsubscribe button or just be like you can unsubscribe at any time are you at risk of non-compliance the risk of non-compliance is there if you do not adhere to the above information but what is your specific risk this regulation was put into effect to really stop the mass scale of selling personal privacy data. So if you run a small nonprofit, say of less than $250,000 per year in the States, you may not be at high risk for being in non-compliance with GDPR. If you're a freelance grant writer who only serves nonprofits in the States, your risk is really low. Really, the advice I'm hearing in the States is really mixed. Uh, some organizations are going full force overboard GDPR and erasing their email list from anyone who did not click the yes, keep me subscribed in their panicked email in the last week. But for many people, that is really not the intent of the regulation. Others are still, and then on the other hand, there's some people that are completely in the dark about GDPR and carrying on with old style fashion. Honestly, I think if you tweak your language on any sign-up form, whether that be on apps, social media, websites, in-person events, etc., then you will have several advantages. What are these advantages to kind of switching your language over to the GDPR? Well, one is your nonprofit or organization uh, will become clear with what you are giving subscribers. So you yourself um, as an organization then have to kind of, instead of just, oh, here's get this email or get this lead generator and it'll, you know, my top 10 tips of cats, cat health. <laughs> then, and then there's also one on cat brushes and then there's also one on cat hair treatment, I don't know. And there, you know, you have all these different funnels kind of coming in. But when you do this, you kind of have to like look back and say, well, what actually do we want to give 
people, what value do we want to provide and how do we want to communicate that? So you kind of have to go back to that. And that's why even for me, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm not just going to have it a newsletter. I'm going to have it a membership and it's going to be free and it's going to be like more inclusive and more of a community style. So that was a lot of fun for me. That's one, one plus. Number two, you will get fewer yet better quality leads. For example, some people okay, a lot, <laughs> may just sign up to get that free top 10 tips of cat health, all right? <laughs> or take the free quiz on what type of sea animal they are. But they may never open subsequent emails. So now that they know you will be sending other emails, they may not sign up, right? Now they say, oh, I'm also gonna email you this and I'm gonna talk about discounts and you know other things going on. They might say, mm, I don't really care for that. But that's fine because they weren't really interested in becoming part of your community anyways. And especially with nonprofits, you have such a niche. There's, you know, you want to have everyone that signs up to really be involved and to be passionate about what you do. You know, we're not interested in pure numbers. Um, and the thing is, is that it's fine for you because they weren't interested in being part of your community. And you might actually be paying for those people who aren't interested and they're not opening your emails. For example, MailChimp, it's, I think it's up to 2,000 subscribers and it's free, but after that you have to start paying. So what if you had 2,500 subscribers now, and if you deleted those who don't open your emails, then you went draw, all of a sudden you dropped down to 1,500 or even to 1,000 emails. Then your MailChimp would be free. <laughs> See, if it was at 2,500 and you're paying for that, but you know 1,000 or 1,500 people aren't even opening their emails, then that's a waste of your money, right? That's a waste of your resource. And it's not giving you real data. You're not really able to see what your open rates are. There's just people who are totally stagnant on there anymore, right? So um, your conversion rates are super low. They look low. So once you take those people off, you might say, okay, let's, now we're working with the people that are really our community. So number three, you are on the road to potential compliance with new regulation. As we had talked about before, some countries are already starting to adopt this regulation um, you know, and it might become even more global. So in this way, you will be one step closer to potential future regulations and will be more prepared. And number four, you can serve EU customers and followers. So what if all of a sudden your nonprofit started working more in the EU or if you started getting EU clients? You would be fully prepared and compliant with the regulation. Uh, you may not think that that would ever happen, but you never know. I mean, if your nonprofit does emergency work and suddenly there's a crisis in Europe, you may do some work there and start connecting online with EU citizens. So there's a lot of things that just because it's such a global, the internet is such a global thing, uh, social media is, and once they have such a huge part, a segment of users that are online, all of a sudden have a different policy, then um, I just think it's a no-brainer to kind of look, at least look at that, look into it. So um, for an example of private privacy policy and a list of how to be in compliance with the EU, um, you can definitely go to my website, grantwritingandfunding.com uh, forward slash podcast forward slash 030, and it will be there. You can just click on the podcast and it'll definitely pop up on 030 and it'll be GDPR uh, for nonprofits. And you can get the link there. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Please give me a thumbs up on YouTube. That would be great if you're watching. Please join my membership. I would love to get more questions. If you guys have any more questions about GDPR, or any other kinds of things going on in the grant writing and funding world, please let me know. Hollywego at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to today's show. 
As always, please feel free to send me an email if you have any grant writing or funding questions to hollywego at gmail.com. If you enjoy listening to the grant writing and funding podcast, then I would love to ask you a favor. Please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening and go get funded.